Hello everyone, today I want to just give you a little quick message um, with regards to the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've at all followed anything about what we've been putting out, what I've been putting out and talking about on Rise on Fire, and you know, you'd be very familiar with the fact that I like to speak about Holy Spirit. I like to speak about things like spiritual giftings and you know, I've been stressing it more and more. And you may be like even you may have even like scratched your head and thought like why what is he on about why does he keep talking about this he should find a new hobby or something right and I want to just explain to you the importance of this and I would like to explain to you why I am so on about this what is up with this South African coming to the U.S. talking about all this stuff it's because that is what is on the Father's heart right now. There are many things on His heart, don't get me wrong, but this is something especially on the Father's heart. You know, I remember when I grew up as a young boy, I grew up in a Dutch Reformed church back in South Africa. And, you know, the Dutch Reformed church taught me many things in that I met God there, right? It was a beautiful place for that. And I was introduced to the importance of of be of obedience and and walking like Jesus in terms of keeping the commandments and that's awesome but with my background I'll be honest the Holy Spirit and anything to do with Holy Spirit was only really known to the point of where Holy Spirit teaches us the word and he he does things like that but he is not really actively, intimately, or powerfully, or supernaturally, or very spiritually involved in our lives. And really, we talked about God, and we talked about Jesus, and Holy Spirit was kind of like there, but no one really liked to talk about him too much. All right, so that's, that's where I came from. And obviously, when you're in the midst of that, you don't think there's anything wrong with it, because that's all you ever know right? And then a few years later, when I was an, a young adult, you know, God gave me a dream and he changed my life around in, in a day. He wrecked me in a way, right? He introduced me to his Holy Spirit, the power that his Holy Spirit has to the fact that the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he will come upon you in power, just like he was on Jesus, right? When Jesus left the um, wilderness, right? He got baptized. He entered the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. And when he left that place, it says that he lived in the Holy Spirit and in power. That means that there was something different. There was something, even in our Messiah, even in Jesus, something changed. And of course, at the way beginning of his ministry, we see what that big change is. What that all, what does that really mean? Well, one of the first things he started doing is he started walking in, in power and that there was miracles following his life wherever he went in various ways and places. Right. And we I don't even need to explain to you. You guys know this very well. But what if the scriptures say that it is supposed to be normal for us? To also experience those things. You see, when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or how the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, we can easily distance ourselves from him and say, well, that is him. Or we can look at his disciples and say, well, that's how they were. 
and now it's not like that anymore. But what if to be his disciple, to be what a disciple, okay, well, you need to understand a disciple, what that means is you become his follower. That means you are, he's your teacher. That means that you will now dedicate your life so that everything that you set out to do will be to walk like your teacher. That means that you will eat, sleep, do everything the way he does it. Right? That's what it meant to be a disciple in the first century. That's why when Jesus told that tax collector, come up and, you know, Matthew, rise up and follow me. It was a big deal. He knew exactly what that meant when he said, come and follow me. It means that I need to let everything go to follow this man. And that's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it meant back then when Jesus asked Matthew, the tax collector, or Peter at the boat with, you know, the fishing or whoever, it meant that back then, but it means the same thing today. When Jesus comes to us and he tells us, come and follow me, it means the same thing. And whether that happens to us at, a, uh, at the foot of a pulpit with, at a preacher who's just delivered a sermon and, and we want to repent, or whether that happens naturally, however it happens over your life, when you come to this idea that you become what we call a Christian, it means way more than going to church once a week. Way more than that. And the scriptures actually say, talk about how there will be many people who will come to him, to his throne one day, who will think that they are all right with him, who will think that their life was pleasing to him because they were Christians, right? They didn't swear. They didn't <laughs> do whatever wrong. But did they walk like he did? Were they his disciple? You see, it's not just enough to go to church. Jesus said, you need to pick up your cross and follow me. And if you do not do that, you are not worthy to be my disciple. So he doesn't say you need to go to church. No, that's not. That's not yes, I'm not saying don't go to church. But what I am saying is don't think that that is the checkbox that makes you the label of a believer. Because it's not. It's also not just even thinking and believing, oh, yes, he died for me. That's not enough. That's not what believing in him means. The demons believe and they shudder, as it's written in the book of James, right? So what makes you different from a demon, right? Well, the demons believe in Jesus. They know he's there. They know what he's done. They believe it's been done. Well, what makes you different from them? It's the fact that you will walk like he does. The demons aren't doing that, I promise you. All right, so... How are you going to walk like Jesus does if you reject the, 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 the number one thing that he had to have as he started his ministry? And that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the number one thing he had to have. Because if he had no Holy Spirit, he had no power. It's as simple as that. He would have no actual power because that's what the baptism of the holy spirit does it is the spirit of god comes and immerse we're immersed in him so it's like inside out there's this transformation because the holy spirit has come into us and now he works in and through us to touch the world around us and it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus opened blind eyes that he healed the leper that he knew what that Samaritan woman at the well 
what her history and her past was. It was, he, he, that's how he knew what the Pharisees were thinking. That was the gift of um, words of knowledge, by the way. You know, it's a spiritual gifting that's even available to us today. All the things he did are, in terms of Holy Spirit things, were spiritual giftings described in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul. And these are all things that are not only accessible to us, but also actually expected of us to walk in to a degree in our lives. Because just imagine this, right? Imagine Peter follows Jesus. Peter, we know Peter, the, the disciple. And hey, they were rough around the edges in the beginning, right? They were fishermen. They weren't squeaky clean, and, you know, the best choice from the world's perspective to do what they were called to do. But God chose them regardless. And as Jesus were walking with them, he was, he was teaching them how to walk, how to leave their old ways behind. He was dealing with their character issues. All these things, which are great. He was basically first teaching them the fruits of the Spirit, how to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. And he, Paul actually talks about the fruits of the Spirit, right? He talks about one in 1 Corinthians 13, this very famous love chapter, where he talks about what love is, right? And he says, oh, even like love is patient, love is not envy or boast, it's not arrogant or rude, it doesn't insist in its own way, it's not irritable, resentful, it doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes and endures all things, and love never ends, etc. Right? We all know this. And love was the key that he taught them. It was the game changer because the Pharisaic thought at that day in the early century church first century church were that you love your in your your friends you love your family you love your neighbor but their definition of a neighbor was someone that is easy to love in other words someone who loves you back and who do, does good to you jesus comes with this radical shift of mind this radical new idea that love is not just about loving those who are easy to love Love is not about just loving those who are um, pretty, you know, in that way, attractive. They're easy to love. They're, it's, an, it's an easy thing. It's a friend. It's a family member. It's all that. They're easy to love. They already love me. So it's natural. But even the unbelievers, the pagans, the, even the worst of the worst loves those who love them first. Loves those who do good to them. But Jesus comes with a radical new idea and he says, you love those who hate you. You love those who despise you, who, who plan to do you wrong. You love your enemies. That's what he says. So this idea of love is revolutionary and it's a big deal. It's what the, our faith is, is based on and built on. Is that character aspect that we must have like our Messiah, like Jesus did, to love radically like he loved us, even while we were still sinners. And that's beautiful. Well, let's just turn the page. In 1 Corinthians 14, right? We just read 1 Corinthians 13. That was the love chapter. That love chapter. But 1 Corinthians 14 is the power chapter. <laughs> and the reason I say this is because this is where Paul talks about spiritual gifts. And even more specifically, he talks about the um, gift of prophecy and the gift of speaking tongues and Etc. And you know, throughout this book, Paul is going to talk about spiritual gifts. But 
But I want you to look at what he writes in the first verse of this new chapter of what he's going to be talking about. And he says this, he says, okay, pursue love. What I just talked about, right? He just talked about love in 1 Corinthians 13, the previous chapter. Pursue love. That's what you need to do. But then he says this, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire them. So he's saying, pursue love, do that, but earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Why is it that he is making this seeming connection between love and spiritual gifts? I want to submit to you that you can't have one without the other to its fullest potential. You cannot love like Jesus without the Holy Spirit without the power of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual giftings of the Holy Spirit, because it is in them. They will do two things. They will allow you to love by showing love in a radical, powerful way. And they will teach you how to love. I, will, I promise you that it is really hard to hate someone in the midst of praying for them and seeing them healed. You see, praying for your enemy means that it doesn't mean you're going to want to do it. It doesn't mean that you're going to be in the mood to do it. You're going to not want to do it. That's what your flesh doesn't want to do. Your mind doesn't want to do that. We don't like being kind to those who hate us. Let's just be honest about that. But when we force ourselves, because love is an action more than a feeling. So if we force ourselves into a position where we pray for someone to get healed. Let's just say they have an illness or a disease or a whatever a broken bone or a pain and they get healed i promise you you're not gonna have any more hate for that person because in that moment holy spirit has moved through you like a pipeline to touch this person and that eradicates hatred from your heart you know why we struggle to love it's because we don't walk in spiritual giftings because spiritual giftings will teach you how to love it will empower you how to love to, to love because it is here's the thing the Holy, we sometimes have this illusion to think that I pray a prayer, Holy Spirit comes into me and boom, I have Holy Spirit now. And yeah, now I am, I'm going to love. It's not how it works. How it works is that you, yes, I'm, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit doesn't. Yeah, there's that immersion of the Holy Spirit, that initial contact that happens. But then what happens later is you need to go and start exercising that thing. You need to start walking it out because it is in the walking of it out that there is that love that gets poured in and through you to touch people. And that changes you more than anyone else. I promise you. It changes you more than the person you're praying for because you get rid. You get um, all the hatred, all the bitterness, all the unforgiveness, all the junk that you have gets eradicated from your heart when the Holy Spirit is allowed to move in and through you. So spiritual giftings. Uh, teaches us how to love but it also empowers us to love in ways that we could have never done before i mean brothers and sisters if you you jesus was, was able to love in a way that you cannot love without the holy spirit you cannot he cannot have impacted that samaritan woman the way he did if he didn't know her past about her all her lovers all her all the husbands husbands your boyfriends she had um and that it just opened the door for him in so many ways to, to show his care and love for people. 
And in the same way, it does the same for us. You know, I remember um, not long ago, uh, you know, I was in this, um, I remember this, this, this pizza place and we were, I was placing an order at the front counter for pizza for me and my friends. And as I'm there, there's this lady who's taking my order and she's, you know, handing me the credit card machine and whatever and I'm paying. And, and as I'm paying, I'm asking the father, you see, I'm asking him, father, what is there about this lady that you know, that you want her, that anything, what, what's going on? And I just like opening myself up to the father to do something. And, and, and I just see this vision dropped in my mind of a baby toy. And I'm like, what? Why is it? What is that about? Right? It's so random. And, and I, I trust the father. I take a leap of faith and I say, is there a baby here? And, you know, looking back what I said now, it's like, what was I doing? It sounds so crazy, right? But it was like, she, the lady, she looked at me and she was like, like she looked at me like really weirdly, right? And, and then she, she called her friend who's also, a, you know, a, a waiter and her friend. And she also friend, did you tell him? And I'm like, what's going on? And then the friend is like, no, I didn't. And then she looks at me and she's like, I'm pregnant. How did you know that? Because she's not showing yet. It's too early. And I'm like, um, I don't know, but God knows. He knows you. Right. And it was so awesome. And she was like, wow. And, and I'm like, hey, can, can we just pray for the baby? And she's like, yes, because she's so shocked that I know about something I'm not supposed to know. And I pray for her baby. And then her friend says, can you pray for me too? And I pray for her friend. And then her friend says, there's someone in the back who's got an issue with their uh, back, who's got a back problem. And I'm like, yeah, bring them around. And they bring this um, chef from the kitchen to the front and I pray for him. And the chef goes back to work and because he gets healed and he get, and he praises God. He goes back and there comes another person out from the kitchen. They're kind of like making like, um, they, like they're trading. Like the one goes back and the other one comes in. It's like kind of like that. And it's, it was amazing. We prayed for like 20 people in that restaurant because of that one moment of taking that leap of faith. And through a spiritual giftings, God opened the door that word of knowledge that I got about this person now do you understand what I mean now that is how it looks to walk like Jesus going to church is not that's not even the beginning of it I am sorry going to your fellowship your home group that is that's good it's good to study his word but we have gotten so stuck on learning and reading about what we are supposed to do that we forget to actually do it so I want to ask you to evaluate and ask yourself the question, am I walking like Jesus? Am I walking like Yeshua, the Messiah? And if I am not, shouldn't I look as to how? Shouldn't I ask him to do that for me? Because, you know, brothers and sisters, that was me. I looked the book of, read something like the book of Acts. I, I, I I would like to ask you to go read the book of Acts. Maybe refresh yourself on it. Because the book of Acts is the early, early, early church. The first century church and how they operated. And they, they worked in the miraculous everywhere they went. Power followed them. 
because and i'm not all for power i'm not about having power it's not about this power thing it's not about that for me but you need to understand that this world needs more than a sunday church service they need believers like me and you to show them who jesus really is because a lot of people are never going to sit for it in church you're going to be the only witness they may ever encounter and God forbid you come to him one day and he says, you went to church, well done, but you never reached those around you. That was why you had to go to church so you can learn how to reach them. But the church never told you, taught you how to, but that's not the church's fault. It's your fault because you have the same Bible that everyone else has. And the Bible says the same thing in everyone's hands. And that is to go and proclaim the gospel to every creature Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that the, the Bible commands you to baptize other people? Wow. When I realized that, that was crazy because I thought it's always the pastor and the priest who has to do that stuff. No, the Bible says that you, if you're a believer, if you're a disciple of Christ, you are. that's one of the instructions that he gave, gave. The last things he said before he left. So that means when he comes back, when he sees you, he looks you in the eyes. He's going to ask you, did you do the last thing I told you to do before I left? And that is to go into the world and proclaim the gospel, the good news to every, every creature. Baptizing them. You see, when these things happen, start happening in our lives, we start stepping out of our comfort zone. Our life changes radically and we will never be the same because we will then actually for the first time become a disciple. To walks who really walks like the rabbi, like the teacher, like Jesus did. Because I promise you that if Peter, back to Peter, if Peter was going to say to Jesus, yeah, I'm, this is all cool. I see all these things you do, but I don't want to do it. You know, I'm, I don't want to pray for people. I don't want to do any of these baptizing things. Jesus is going to say, well, that's fine. I'm going to find someone else to do it then. You can go, Peter. Bye. Do you realize that that, that is what would have happened? And so, brothers and sisters, I want to ask you, ask the question, are you a disciple? If Jesus was going to be sitting next to you, are you doing the things that he was doing? Are you doing the things he's told you to do in your heart? Or are you shying away because of fear or maybe comfort? I hope that this short message encourages you to just think about these things as we enter the new year of 2020. Because as the end draws near, because the end is drawing near every day, and your personal end may be tomorrow or today. As the end draws near, make sure that you are in the right place and that you live a life that is valuable to the Father. That you're not like one of those servants who act the parable of the talents who who buried his talent because of fear, but rather who invested it. And who, when the marshal comes back to see what you did with what he gave you, the breath in your lungs that he has gifted you, that you didn't squander it, but you used it to walk like he did. And God bless you and keep you. Subscribe to our YouTube channel on Rise on Fire for more videos like this one. And I pray that you have an amazing, blessed week further. Ask of the Father about what I said. Pray about it. And He will exalt you in the open. Shalom.